0: Christianity is the only faith in the world which can be called a singing faith. I believe that's true because we as Christians have so much to sing about. During this year of work from the Providence pulpit, periodically I am taking a look at the gospel message contained in the great songs and hymns of our faith. Today, another sermon in that set. Pray with me, please. Lord, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Amen. A song of faith in a sermon of grace. Frances Ridley Habergal was born in the year 1836 in Worcestershire, England. She was reared in a minister's home, and from the earliest moments of her childhood, she had but one goal in life. And that was to be a true servant of Jesus Christ. As a result, at the very tender age of four, she was already memorizing portions of the Bible. By age seven, she was writing beautiful poetry, all of it dedicated to her Lord. She went on in her life to become a noted linguist, a concert musician, and a respected Bible scholar. It wasn't easy. You see, for all her life long, she fought against the ravages of ill health, and she wound up dying long before her time. She is perhaps best known and remembered for a song, a hymn that she wrote, a hymn entitled, Take My Life. It is a hymn noted not only for its wondrous poetry and its powerful message, but also for the circumstances under which it was written. You see, in December of 1874, Frances Havergal uh, went with 10 of her friends on a week-long house party. It was meant to be a vacation. It turned out to be a great spiritual awakening i want you to listen to her very own words as she describes that week there were 10 other persons in the house some unconverted and long prayed for some converted but not yet rejoicing christians so i prayed lord give me all in this house and god did Before we left that place, every single one had received a blessing from the Lord. The last night of my visit, I was too happy to sleep, and I spent most of the night renewing my own commitment to Jesus Christ. And then in the course of the night... These little couplets formed themselves in my mind and began to chime in my heart, one after another after another, until they all finished with the words, ever, only, all for thee. Francis Habergau took those little couplets and fashioned them into the song or the hymn, Take My Life a hymn which magnificently portrays what it means to make a total commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, dear friends, you and I are living in a time of self-centered ambition and pleasure-seeking lifestyles and unfulfilled expectations. And in the midst of a time like that, I believe that the value and the power of a true and total commitment to Jesus Christ ought to be exalted and celebrated. That is precisely what Frances Havergal's hymn does. Her words actually remind me of... A conversation I had with a young college student, the two of us were talking together and in the midst of that conversation he said to me, he said, you know, I I guess I could without much effort write down a list of things in life that are worth living for. But what I really want to know, is there anything or anyone in life worth dying for? heavy question. Is there anything or anyone in life worth dying for? That question forces us to confront the deepest commitment we make in life. Now, there are some people who answer that question by making a commitment to self. You can do that in your life. You can make a commitment to To yourself to make your own selfish desires the full focus and attention of your life. You can decide that you are going to spend your life doing the things that are necessary for your own pleasure and profit. Yes, you can adopt the attitude which led William Ernest Henley to write his poem Invictus, out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. You hear those words? They sound brave and courageous, don't they? Let me tell you something, dear friends you think deeply about those words you uh, engage those words with intellectual honesty and you will rapidly realize that that kind of attitude is absolute foolishness mark this down the seas of life are too broad for any of us to sail them all alone. The oceans of the human experience are too rough for any of us to stay at our own helm all of the time. Yes, try to live your life for yourself and yourself alone, and I promise you sooner or later you will be sunk by loneliness, sucked under by wasted or missed opportunities, or smashed to pieces on the rocks of someone else's attempt To sail through life all alone. Take the case of Absalom. You can read about Absalom in the Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 18. Absalom was the son of a king, King David. Absalom possessed a brilliant mind, a mind even more brilliant than that of his father. But Absalom used his mind in very calculated ways to accomplish his own purposes. Absalom had a very winsome personality that drew others to him, but he took sadistic delight in manipulating those other people to serve his own ends. Absalom was inordinately handsome, devilishly so, and yet he was so conceited that he couldn't see beyond the end of his own nose. He seemed to be in the driver's seat in life, if you looked at him from the outside. However, he made the fatal mistake of trying to determine and control his own life and his own destiny. He wound up turning away from God. He turned against his father. He then led a rebellion designed to drive his father David off the throne of Israel so that he could take that throne for himself. In the ensuing battle, when the fortunes of that battle turned against him, Absalom turned tail and ran. He got away on his horse, and as he was galloping away from the scene of battle, his long flowing hair, which he dearly loved, was splayed out in the wind behind him. And as he and his tree, his horse ran under the overhanging branches of a tree, that long flowing blowing hair got caught in the branches of the tree and tangled there. And the horse literally ran out from under him and left him dangling there by the hair in midair, thrashing and flailing about. Thrashing and flailing, that is, until one of King David's soldiers plunged three quick darts into his heart. Absalom, you see, ruled a very small kingdom, the kingdom of only one himself. And as is so often the case, when one lives for oneself alone, Absalom brought that tiny kingdom to terrible destruction. Now, you in your life can make that kind of choice. You can say, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. You can choose to live your life for yourself and yourself alone. If you choose to do that, then all I can say to you is, remember Absalom. He lived for himself alone, and he died by himself alone. How sad. And then there are those who choose to answer the question, is there anything in life worth dying for? They choose to answer the question by making a commitment to the crowd. Now, You can do that in your own life. Let me just say very quickly here that I am speaking to those of you who are young, or not to you alone. I'm speaking to everybody here, of course, but I'm speaking especially to those of you who are young. You can choose to follow the crowd in your life. We are living in a time where there is intense pressure upon us to become just like everybody else. And because we want to be accepted and loved and included, we tend to yield to the pressure of the crowd. We tend to go along in order to get along. And yet I want to tell you something. Sooner or later, making that kind of commitment in your life will bring you to peril. Take the case of Zedekiah. You can read about him in the book of Jeremiah or the book of 2 Kings. Zedekiah was the king of Judah. And Judah came under siege from the forces of a Babylonian king named Nebuchadrezzar. Note please, this is not King Nebuchadnezzar, that was another Babylonian king. This Babylonian king's name was Nebuchadrezzar. Well, Nebuchadrezzar and his forces attacked Judah. At that point, Zedekiah recognized the crisis of the moment. But Zedekiah didn't have the strength or the courage to stand on his own, and so he turned to the crowd, he turned to the people around him and asked for their wisdom and advice. They all said unanimously, stand and fight. It was at that point that Jeremiah, the prophet of God, came to Zedekiah and said, the Lord commands you to surrender. Well, Zedekiah had a spine like a wet noodle. He couldn't bring himself to go against the wishes of the crowd. And so he fought. He was severely defeated. And as a result, King Nebuchadrezzar's forces, seized Zedekiah and two of his sons. Zedekiah was made to watch while two of his sons were executed. And then two of Nebuchadrezzar's soldiers took Zedekiah's arms and held them fast. A third soldier took a hot iron and blinded Zedekiah. They put out his eyes. And at that point, King Nebuchadrezzar said to Zedekiah, Zedekiah, When you could see, you wouldn't see. Now, when you want to see, you will not see. I speak to all of you, but especially to those of you who are young. You can follow the crowd if you wish. You can make the choice that you are going to be just like everybody else. If you make that commitment in your life, all I can say to you is, remember Zedekiah. When he could see, he wouldn't see. So that when he wanted to see, he couldn't see. How sad. And then there are some who, in answer to the question, is there anything or anyone worth dying for, answer by making the commitment to Jesus Christ. I want you to hear unmistakably that that is precisely what I have done in my own life. And I can tell you on the basis of the life which has been mine to live as a result, that there is nothing more exciting, more thrilling, more powerful, more dynamic, more strengthening, more encouraging, more joyful, more satisfying than making a total commitment to Jesus Christ in your life. Jesus is not only worth living for, Jesus is worth dying for. Some of history's greatest people have understood what that means. Michelangelo was the most gifted man of his day, maybe the most gifted man of, any day. How did he use those gifts? By trying to portray Jesus and the life Jesus lived. Johann Sebastian Bach uh, possessed musical ability that was legendary. And how did he employ that talent? By spending his days writing down the melodies that Jesus was humming in his ear. Christopher Wren possessed an architectural genius unsurpassed, and how did he use that genius? By building soaring cathedrals to the glory of his Christ. Albert Schweitzer was a medical doctor and, what's more, a Ph.D. three times over. And the world set before him all of the trappings of glittering success. And what did he do? He followed Jesus out into the darkest deepest jungles of Africa and there he spent the rest of his life ministering to the needs of ordinary people in the name of his Christ. Madame Curie and Blaise Pascal, scientific scholars known the whole world over and yet They clutched to their hearts the cross of Jesus Christ until their lives were gone. Mother Teresa grew up amidst astounding wealth in Yugoslavia. But she turned away from the wealth which was hers and went instead to the desperate slums of the city of Calcutta in India in the name of her Christ and in the process became the most admired woman of the modern era. Oh yes, some of history's greatest people have known what it means to make a total commitment to Jesus Christ. Ah, But more to our purposes, ordinary people can experience exactly the same thing. Ordinary people like Stan. Stan was an up-and-coming young businessman. Stan worked for a company which entertained a lot, and they served a lot of drinks there. And Stan began to take those drinks. And Stan then took more and more of those drinks. And Stan got to the point where he couldn't stop taking those drinks. Stan had a wife and two daughters whom he dearly loved. And at one point he said to himself, I must stop this for the sake of my wife and my girls. He couldn't stop. At one point he was home at night. He had a glass in his hand and he said to himself, I'm going to put this glass down and walk away. And he couldn't put it down. Despair overwhelmed him. Later on, after everyone was asleep, he got a pistol, and he went down into the basement of his house. And there he put the pistol to his head, and he couldn't pull the trigger. He couldn't stop drinking, and he couldn't even stop the life that was destroying the people that he loved most in the world. In sheer desperation then, he fell on his knees on the basement floor and he screamed, Jesus, kill me! Jesus, take my life! And Jesus did. He cried, Jesus, take my life! And Jesus took his life, only not in the way Stan expected. No, Jesus took his life and he lifted Stan up off the floor of that basement, and from that moment, he began to turn Stan's life around. Jesus helped Stan to master what Stan could not master alone. I know that's true, because Stan was a member of a congregation I serve. That's what Jesus does for a life. Jesus, all I have to do is mention the name Jesus. That name which is above every name, jesus that name at which every knee shall bow jesus that name which every tongue shall confess jesus jesus is worth living for even more jesus is worth dying for my great friend the late dr bill bright used to love to say that all of us have a throne in our heart and we determine who is going to sit on that throne. He was right. Give the scepter to yourself. Your heart will be broken. Give the scepter to the crowd and your heart will be crushed. But give the scepter to Jesus Christ. And your heart will be filled with peace and power and pardon and joy. And your life will be marked by discipline and direction and devotion and fulfillment. Jesus is worth living for. Jesus is worth dying for. That's why Sunday after Sunday after Sunday from this pulpit, I call you to make a total commitment to Jesus Christ in your life. Make the words Francis Habergale, your very own. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my heart, it is Thine own. Let it be Thy royal throne. Take myself and I will be ever only all for Thee. Ever only all for Thee. Pray with me, please. God on high, hear my prayer. Take my life. It is your own. Take myself and I will be ever on all the